William Carey University is one of the top universities in the Southeast. With multiple scholarship opportunities for incoming students, it's one of the most affordable private universities in all of America. Carey provides a multitude of undergraduate and graduate programs, as well as over 10 different doctoral degrees. Did I mention that Carey also boasts one of the top 100 med schools in the country? And I also hear that the baseball team's pretty dang good. Check them out on all forms of social media and visit wmcarry.edu for more information. If you're looking for hats for your business, hunting club, or just whatever, go check out Chickasahay Hat Company. It's locally owned by good folks so you don't have the hassle of dealing with big box companies. They carry multiple different brands and sizes, including the number one selling hat, the Richardson 112. Custom embroidery is available on all hats and shirts, and to top it off, 10% of all profits go to charities for people that struggle with addiction. Like I said, good people. You can check them out on Facebook at Chickasahay Hat Company or on the web at chickasahayhatco.com. All right, we're back. Another episode of the Pinstripes Camera Podcast. Uh, season two, uh, I don't even know what episode this is. Doesn't matter, it's just the next one. Doesn't matter, it's the next one. So uh, tonight on the show, got a few different topics we want to talk about. Last week, we kind of touched uh, with Neil Cannon a little bit on the decline of hunting. And this week, I kind of want to take take that on a little more because we I think we just kind of scratched the surface last week and I think it's something in the outdoor industry that's kind of alarming so we want to talk about that a little bit um Matt had a big weekend uh, so we're gonna let him tell that story I had a pretty good weekend but tell me when I'm up I'll give you <laughs> <laughs> I want to, all right we didn't do an idiot of the week last week but I've got one this week so Hunter is actually in West Monroe right now. Unfortunately. So, <laughs> so I found somebody in West Monroe to be our idiot of the week. Good. Um, yeah. I probably bumped into him today. It's possible. Um, this is a 51-year-old man named Sean Frost. Um, actually, you probably didn't bump into him. After you hear this, you'll, you'll know why. Uh, Sean Frost, like I said, 51 year old man from West Monroe, Louisiana, uh, was arrested for hunting with a Ruger 357 without a proper license. Um, which well, that's they, not, that's not why he was arrested yet. I mean, that's, that just kind of uh, sets the scene. Okay. Hold okay. on. <laughs> Officers apparently watched Frost hunt until dark and then made contact with him after dark, which is always kind of sketchy. Um, but after making contact with him, I guess they were probably doing a license check. Um, they saw a pipe and a needle cap on a nearby golf cart, apparently, that Frost was using. Um, so they patted him down for weapons. Obviously, he had the three fifty seven. Um, they advised him of his Miranda rights. He understood the – he let him know he understood his Miranda rights. Um, they asked him if he had anything else in his possession. He admitted to having uh, – marijuana mm-hmm. um 
then they followed up asking him about that pipe and needle cap that they saw in the golf cart. And he told them that he had more drugs in the bag on the golf cart. So he had (laughs) in the bag, he had hydrocodone, Xanax, meth, and needles, pipes, and clonopin. Um, So they obviously handcuffed him and took him back to his house to question him even more. And then they laid on the hunting violations. He was also, and this is what's amazing to me, that so many of these that we do were already convicted felons, and then now they have a gun and just tack on more. Well, you you shouldn't have a, have to have a uh, permit to hunt with a pistol three fifty seven. I think that's stupid, and they should free him. <laughs> that's not why he was arrested, though. I know, but I just I'm just saying the thing that bothers me the most is the government overreach in the story, not the fact that he had enough drugs to kill 115 people. Yeah, I'm I'm with Hunter on the pistol. I don't understand why you need a separate license for that or permit. But is it, is it that it way does. in Louisiana? I'm assuming it know. is. If that's why they I mean yeah. probably question him, you know, after seeing him out there. You know, I'll say too. Uh, there, the normally when you think about Louisiana, you think about swamps, crawfish, and some of the best offshore fish in the world. That's just what I think. And ducks, I'm sure. That's profiling. Um, up up in North Louisiana, it's some of the prettiest country just that there is. I mean, it's it's awesome. Like I love. Like we're we just been riding around a lot and. I mean, all the woods are beautiful. Like it looks like North Alabama. Yeah, it's hilly. It's like kind of like North Alabama. Not quite as aggressive as North Alabama, which is like yeah, the beginning of the smoke or whatever mountain range that is. I don't whatever Appalachian. Um, yeah, Appalachians. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. on hardwoods. So, anyways, well, I think like North Louisiana is basically like a southern extension of Arkansas. Yeah. You know, I mean, Louisiana is definitely two different states. Yeah, it's uh, it's two different really cultures, different. because the people that live in North Louisiana, they're not your your you know South Louisiana Cajun culture. Yeah, they're also not as nice as South Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying the people of West Monroe haven't treated you kind? Uh. <laughs> They treated me kind of like I would be treated uh, on any given day in Hattiesburg. Oh, it's just the nicest people it's in the world. It's not too bad. It's, it's, it's not the nicest people in the world. It's just fine. <laughs> it's just it's normal, I guess. Nothing on Hammond. They're the best. Nicest people in the world. That working. The, the gas station employees in Hammond, Louisiana, are the nicest people of all the gas station employees in the world. It's just that simple. Well, These are facts, statistics. Anyways. So you, you mentioned that, all right, and that may be so, or that's your opinion or whatever, but I went in a gas station the other day, and there was a lady in there, and I didn't think I was ever going to be able to leave. She started talking about the weather, and from that, she went into the, you know, it was the day where we had, like, the tornado warnings and stuff. Yeah. And she went from, you know, the tornadoes to when she moved here after Katrina and just on and on and on. And I mean, I, I probably could have pulled a chair up and sat there all day and listened to her. She was super nice. 
Yeah, I've, I made that mistake in, in Hammond and asked the lady how she was doing, which is like just something you say. Like, how are you? You know, it's just what you do. <laughs> and she starts telling me <laughs> how she's doing, and I wasn't prepared for an answer. <laughs> I, I don't ask that here anymore. Anyways. Well, back to what we were talking about. 51-year-old Sean Frost of West Monroe, Louisiana, is the Pinstripes Camo Idiot of the Week for the week. So congratulations to him. Yeah, congrats. Uh, next thing uh, is the USM William Carey Baseball uh, Big Buck Update. I um, protest. No. It's been an asterisk. Nope. Well, okay, well, why? Well, I'm, I'm a Southern Miss guy. You don't well, play baseball, so there should be an asterisk because <clears throat> Scott Barry was nice enough not to count his velvet archery buck. Hundred percent so, agree with that. But so I gave him I gave him the opportunity to do it. With that with that being said, Scott Barry needs to focus on dominating, not being cordial. <laughs> okay. He needs to focus on crushing William Carey, not being a good guy. Because that being a good guy that win big buck contests, spotlights do. As you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. You, you, when it's crunch time, is is January the 28th? You know, you're, you're not even a Southern Miss guy. What are you talking about? No, I'm just trying to stir it up. You do realize William Carey's a sponsor, right? Yeah, and look, I know <laughs> I know one person at William Carey. That's, that's, What's that's, the score right now? What's the lead's got to be William Carey, right? Yes. Uh, let's see. What's at the date of this recording is December the fifth, um, and so far, uh, my math's not great, but it's like three hundred and thirty-six and five eighths inches for William Carey. That's total, total, uh, total measurements to seventy-six and six eighths for USM. Are y'all doing a, just a gentleman's score? Yeah, but gentleman's I feel like, like I've, I've seen all the deer uh, so far. They, that killed they've him. been accurate. They've been accurately scored. Yeah, I think that it's it's within an inch or two for sure on each one. I think um, right now, uh, the first deer that was killed, uh, Bailey Hendon killed it. It was ninety three and seven eighths, and I felt like that was a pretty accurate representation of the deer. Um, I killed our second one. It was 120 on the nose, and I probably scored it. I scored it really hard. Um, so that one will be accurate. And then our third deer was uh, Lane Giroux killed a 122 and 6 eighths inch buck. And actually, when I looked at it, I thought it was a little higher than that. So I feel confident that he scored it hard as well. And then, uh, Tate Parker killed the only buck so far for USM. So, 76 and 6 eighths. Um, I did hear a story today. Uh, Coach Barry had uh, apparently had exit meetings with his guys before they go home for the holidays, um, which is you know, it's pretty common. We all do it. Um, and I don't know which player it is on his, on his team that has land in Missouri, but apparently one of them has land in Missouri. It's supposed to be pretty good hunting land. And uh, the kid came in for his exit meeting, and Coach Barry was just grilling him. He was like, hey, do you know what team you're on? And the kid was like, yeah. And he said, well, what are you contributing? And the kid was just taken back. Like, he probably thought he was fixing to get cut. And um, the 
kid looked at Coach Barry and says, Coach, I, I kind of thought I had a, a nice fall. Like, like I hit well. I played well on the field. And Coach Barry said, I'm not talking about baseball. I'm talking about the deer hunting thing. You hadn't killed a deer yet. What's your problem? Get in the woods. So, hey, you got to be careful with that one because he could come get... back with 185, 190 deer. Oh, so. I know. I know. I know. I mean, it's going to force me to take a trip, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, Coach Barry, he's, dude, he's a competitor. And anything he he does, he's going to want to win. So, um, I got a feeling in the next couple of weeks that we're going to start seeing some pucks fall because these guys are all, you know, they're finishing up classes for the semester. They're going to go home. They're going to have more time. And, and then, you know, for most of them, the rut's fixing to get started in the next couple of weeks. So I wouldn't be surprised to, to start seeing some deer killed. And, and you know what? It needs to happen. You know, we don't need to have a one-sided competition in this thing anyway. So I hope, uh, I hope the guys at Southern Miss do get out in the woods and kill some good bucks because that makes it more fun for everybody. So, hmm. That's that's my uh, that's my spin on the on the big buck contest. So, well, I wouldn't have said that. So, I <laughs> wanted a seven. <laughs> Seven thousand zero. <000. laughs> I don't. Anyways, I don't think, I don't think that gives a, a good a good representation to the talent on either team, though. You know, I think there's probably some pretty good deer hunters on both these teams, and there's obviously some really good baseball players on it. So we want to have a good, we want to have a close contest at the end with William Carey just narrowly defeating Southerners. <clears throat> right now, Matt. Is his protest is that he him being Southern Miss guy, he thinks he should be able to contribute a deer to the uh, to the contest, and we're just not going to let that happen because of well, Matt's a better deer hunter than all of us. So um, no, I'm not. I've just had better access recently. Well, speaking of better access recently, uh, why don't you tell everybody about your, your last week hunting because it's uh, it's pretty wild. Okay, so uh, kind of leads you into it. I met a guy probably eight, nine years ago who does the same thing I do for a living, which is a Little Caesars franchisee. And we got to talking, and uh, we became friends, played a little golf together. And then he told me he had just gotten into hunting, and it was duck hunting. And anyway, he has had access to some properties uh, that he only wanted to duck hunt, and he told me that I could deer hunt them. And uh, so – in 2020, I got to deer hunt his properties, and I did not last year, but I did this year. And he is selling this property. Actually, by the time this podcast comes out, it may be sold, like closed on and everything. But he told me I could hunt it until the closing just because we were good buddies. And I had cameras on it during bow season. It's just been it's been a really rough of seeing like what's the word i'm looking for here i have not seen many deer this year i have not laid my eyes on many deer uh up up until this weekend i'd killed one deer with a bow it was a doe and i had not seen a buck bigger than a probably 12 inch wide six point that was the one you saw the the day that that i was yes. up there with you probably wasn't yeah yes and that literally up until friday afternoon was the largest deer i had seen while in a tree stand 
and uh went hunting friday after I'm, let, let me go, let me just go back i got in there thursday afternoon and hunted i knew it was my last opportunity to hunt this property and i did not see a deer so i went back on friday afternoon and it was 70 degrees the wind was in the wrong direction but but ho, ho, wait wait stop let me stop you there for just a second yep, though. But everybody needs to know though like this property it's in a really really good area in the state and you knew there were some good bucks on the property yeah i've been running cameras in this place and i've killed two deer off of it before the smallest was like 156 inches was the smallest of the two and uh <laughs> so i had cameras out i had a number of good bucks on camera but i just wasn't seeing deer so i go on friday i don't know if you guys can remember friday it was awful weather for deer hunters it was yeah. 20 mile per hour winds and 70 degrees and uh i wish there was like this real cool story about how the hunt went and everything but it's not quite that cool because i got in an old two-man stand that i'd hunted many a times i've actually killed a deer out of it there and uh, i was just hoping you know it'd been hard woods maybe i'll see something walking through here and it was the most boring hunt because I knew I wasn't going to see anything based on the weather until probably about five after five, I could see a possum walking and it was kind of walking towards me. And then it started running towards me. And so I kind of got ready thinking there was something behind it, it could be a coyote or something and out stepped a deer. And I could tell it was a very large deer and I could, then I could see its left main beam. And so at this point, I knew, I was like, all right, well, that's one of the shooters. I'm going to shoot it. And so uh, this is where this, it goes kind of quick. I mean, I just got the gun up, took a shot. Deer dropped right there. I was extremely fortunate to have shot a deer that was 153 inches. I originally said it was like 155, but I remeasured. It was actually a little smaller, 153 inches. Uh, 10 point, very symmetrical, heavy horns. The widest deer I've ever killed at 19 inches wide. Yeah, he's... So, yeah, he's, that was he's first a, for me. He's a beautiful bug. We've got a, you know, if you're listening to the show, we've got a picture on our on our social media pages of of the bug. He's, uh, I I, I like him. Big heavy horned deer, man. I like a heavy horned deer. I think they're really cool. Yeah, um, real good deer though. And uh, we weighed him, and I, look, I even adjusted for the scale because we <laughs> checked the scale with the gambrel on it was showing ten already. And so it got up to 275, which if you take it off would be 265 for the deer's weight. And uh, to give you an idea how heavy it was, I took it to be processed and I took them four quarters and two back straps. And the four quarters and two back straps weighed 91 pounds. Did he have a, a lot of fat on him when you pointed him? He did. He did have yeah. a lot of fat. And uh, I took him to uh, Kyle Turner, who's been on the show before, and he's going to mm -hmm. mount him. And uh, he aged him at five and a half. Okay. So definitely a mature deer. Um, it got a, it got even better the next day because I had a guest in town with me and I was able to put him on a deer and it scored 133 inches, his largest deer he's ever killed. Uh, we killed a few ducks this weekend and uh, not a lot of ducks because it's Mississippi December and it's terrible weather. But we killed a few ducks and had a good time and the uh, only person we were missing was Hunter. Hunter almost made this trip with us, but he had to, Back yeah, out at the last moment. I did. I had a useless job interview. 
<laughs> it was useless after you called me. It Don't was, me about it. <laughs> the most ridiculous thing I've ever sat through. I'm not going to name names or companies, but I guess. Oh you. boy. Hey, Matt, the uh, the 133 inch deer that you, that your friend killed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a that was a big body deer too. Did you weigh him on the scale? Okay, so we did not weigh his on the scale. I we both. We're taking some guesstimates. We were thinking in the 200, 190 range. Okay. Um, I, thought was, was, I thought he was bigger than that. Yeah, he, he wasn't a small deer, though. And uh, the only reason, this is actually something I don't mind admitting. I told Kyle Turner this. The only reason that deer didn't get on the scale at my camp is because he wanted to mount it. And while I did cape my deer out the night before, mm-hmm. I told him that I don't feel comfortable caping your deer. Because I don't want to ruin the cape, and then you know what I mean. And you get in that situation, and uh, so we asked a processor right up the road, "Hey, you got uh, cape deer?" And they said, "Look, we will skin it, gut it, and cape it for a total of fifty-eight dollars." And I thought that was the steal of the century. <laughs> because if you screw it, like at Turner Brothers, they'll sell you a cape, but it's sixty dollars. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, "Hey, you could pay two dollars less than that, and you don't even have to touch the deer tonight." <laughs> like let them, you let them do it, or you can just do it yourself and save fifty eight bucks, Matt. Yeah, but I'm not perfect on caping. I have screwed them up before. Caping is not as easy as just getting after it with a knife. You're right. You're right. There are you got to take your time. Specific lines you have to make on that deer. And Especially, by the way, Kyle. Kyle said mine passed the test. He that was the first thing I asked him. Open it up, see if the cape's okay, and he said it was. Good. Good. Well, you know that being that young man's largest deer he's ever killed he can he can rest easy knowing that it was done right and, and he'll have a nice trophy to put on his wall yeah um, but it was a good weekend uh now we just you know i'm really after the waterfowl i want to be and uh we just don't have much right now in mississippi but i mean what what was the temperature i, I haven't put on pants in two days it's been shorts i've worn shorts the last three days yeah so like i if i was a duck i wouldn't come down here either so i'm not even yeah. mad at him right now i'm just kind of like Maybe January would be cold. <laughs> I haven't, uh, I haven't heard of a lot of the 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 few duck hunters that I talk to fairly regular. None of them have really had a lot of you know a lot of shot opportunities lately. Um, yeah, which we, I mean, we have wood ducks year round here pretty much, but um, they've seen wood ducks and that's been it. Yeah, um, see, like our camp, we judge our year off of how many uh, mallards we kill, and we've killed three. Nope, nope. Four. I think we're up to four now. So you've we killed, killed one one limit of mallards total? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in six days at our at our place. Now that may sound terrible, which it is, don't get me wrong, but when is the last time if any any water froze down here? Ooh. I would say about November fifteenth. Yeah. yeah. So if it last... hasn't been cold, why would they be here? That, you know, that's just the way it goes. Because you you asked me in on the last weekend of January how many Mallards that y'all killed, I may say uh, 48, you know, something like that. Yeah. How, what's the uh, average number of mallards a year at y'all's place? Well, I'm only in my third season, but uh, it's, I mean, it's triple digits if we're killing ducks. Yeah. But yeah. we'll see. We do kill a lot of gadwall, too. See, I don't even know what a gadwall is. It's considered a big duck. It just sounds different and a little bit smaller than a mallard. Um, no, it's, you guys had a fantastic weekend, Matt, and, uh, hopefully, like I said, you know, 
we're gonna get some cooler weather in the next couple of weeks it looks like and <clears throat> the road will get going down here and maybe we'll get more birds coming down too um right now it's just it's miserable weather for hunting so so it's, speaking it's, speaking of the rut down here um i shared this with matt this weekend uh the rut down here and that's forest county it's where i'm at um where i hunt primarily uh and occasionally new Haven once or twice a year but uh it, it gives you your forecast and stuff like that when the pre rut will start and that's for any area and that app is sick um i had onyx and i do a i do a little bit of public land hunting um that's going to be more so here in the future. But uh, so Onyx and stuff's useful, especially when you're, you know, making sure that you're going to trespass on somebody who's far less likely to call the game warden. Like you can use <laughs> Onyx to make sure that they're old or something like that. Um, but anyways, I got mad at Onyx because it's just so, it's just not like, an, it's not ergonomic. Like it's, it's too... You, you can't ever get what you want to get done right. Um, so I deleted it out of rage and I paid for HuntWise, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. I love it. It's awesome. It'll give you your wind forecast and it'll show you which stands are going to be good for this windage day or whatever. I mean, obviously yep. that's not 100% true, but I sent the video to Matt um, and it's yep. pretty sweet. I'm not an app guy at all, and I currently don't need that app. But if right. I do anytime soon, I'm buying that app because it was really cool. And we get no yeah. money from HuntWise. That's literally just an honest review. No, like there's just it's it's really really good. Um, and it gives you like a five panel, um, like movement prediction. So it's not just saying pressure. It's not just saying weather. It's not just saying temperature or wind or anything. It's using taking all of those parameters including the rut all all the parameters that you could possibly do to give you what your estimated white tail movement day is and yeah. uh you Hang know on. anyways matt are you in a swing <laughs> yeah i am i'll stop it <laughs> that's hilarious i didn't know you could hear that i could hear a chain clink what the heck is that noise i'm moving to the rocking chair i just got the kids to bed so i'm <laughs> I hope this thing doesn't creak too much. You may have to edit that out. Sorry. No, we're good. And for those listening, we are calling in again for this episode because, well, Hunter's in West, West Monroe. Matt's having to keep his kids, and I've been to a piano recital tonight. So. But uh, anyways, the uh, the rut forecast for Forest County, uh, I've checked it a couple days ago, a few days ago, and it was 33 days out for pre-rut. 33 days from now? 33 well not from now it's probably 29 days out from pre-rut that's, that's a not the way and that's and that's taken into account pre-rut lockdown peak rut post rut and second rut okay so, when did the, tell us the dates for, for forest county do you remember any of those outside uh, of pre-rut no, because I just saw pre-rut 33 days away, and I immediately closed the app. I'm like, well, okay, well, not going I, back to that spot for a month. I totally believe that, though, in Forest County, as far south as we are. And real quick, to go back to this past weekend, Ben, I was going to tell you, I killed uh, – I was a part of four deer taking off that property over the last couple of years, and 
there was one outlier killed on November 23rd, but the other three were killed December 2nd, December 3rd, December 5th. Yeah. So I think it's very telling of there are certain times of the year when those bucks start to get on their feet in daylight. Well, I, I absolutely agree with that because I killed my buck. Uh, it was the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. I don't remember what the date was, but like I had that picture in my phone or whatever. And like the next day, you know how you post something on social media and it'll like a couple of years later, it'll come up like a memory or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I had like, three years worth of memories come up on that day, like the next day of bucks that I'd killed on those other years. Like, you know, I killed a buck in 2017 on November 24th and then a buck in 2018 on November 23rd and, you know, things like it. Like I had that last week in November for the area that I hunt. Mm-hmm. It was like I was killing a buck every, every year, every other year in that last week of November. So it's kind of neat to go back and look at all that. Um, now, Hunter, I, I don't know about the app as far as like telling you rut times and everything. I mean, I know that they've got to take all the data and use it as an average, I'm guessing, but I still feel like a month away from night right now for pre-rut activity in Forest County is, it just seems far-fetched to me. I feel like you get pre-rut activity here pretty soon because I've, I feel like our place that we hunt, we were getting pre-rut activity, uh, you know, late November. Um, and we're not that far north. Yeah, well, I mean, you'd be surprised because, um, <clears throat> I mean, even even just things like temperature at, uh, at mom and dad's house in New Hebron, which is an, an hour north of not even – a true north i mean it's it takes you an hour to drive there but it takes you an hour to drive yeah. there but yeah just there i mean it'll be 10 15 degrees colder yeah i mean it and and i, I last year was the first time that i'd ever like really looked into like what they were forecasting you know throughout you know the, the entire southeast region that would have like the lines and you could check it every week and there's your own whatever website you you choose they'll have it on there yeah and i mean it's like the ruts full blown gone out of control in the delta and we're just we're just normal feeding patterns yeah i i, I think for our place i'm expecting next week for rut activity to really pick up, like starting next week when we get this cold snap again. Yeah. I'm thinking, like I'm thinking right now, I've got some does that are they're coming into heat and next week it's going to explode or the next two weeks it's going to explode. Well, I mean, I'll know. I mean, you'll know whenever it happens because I'll start seeing rubs and scraping, <clears> but I'm just not seeing that right now. Yeah. Well, the, the buck that I killed, and like I said, it was last week in November. I mean, his neck was swollen. Um, you could smell him before you ever got close to him when, when I was walking up to him, you know, where he'd been peeing on his gland or, you know, legs or right. And, um, I mean, do we consider that pre-rut activity? I would think so. Uh, Both of the I'm ones right. that I was around this weekend smelled awful. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, you're further north than I was. Mm-hmm. 
So I would, yeah, I would expect them to definitely be in that pre-rut stage. And you may even already have some does that are hot up there that these bucks are, you know, dogging out a little bit. Um, I think if, you know, I think if we get another good cold snap, I, I, which we're forecast to next week, um, I think that'll really kick it off for us. Hunting season is here, so why are you still loading your four-wheeler in the back of your truck? Head on over to Bill's Collision Center and Trailer Sales in Columbia, Mississippi. They got a trailer for all of your hauling needs, including trailers for four-wheelers, side-by-sides, and tractors. Gooseneck trailers and dump trailers are also available. And in the event that you kill a deer with your truck rather than your rifle, they can take care of that too. Check them out on Facebook at Bill's Collision Center and Trailer Sales, or give them a call at 601-736-3219. Something else. Maybe they'll send some ducks down too. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll get shot at 800,000 times before they get here and they get real educated. <laughs> um, so true. <laughs> Uh, something I saw the other day that's kind of been on my mind for a couple of days. Um, I saw, I've, and I've seen it more than once lately, uh, people talking about like trophy hunters, like guys that actually wait for a deer to mature before they shoot it. And they weren't necessarily dogging them, but they were like, oh, I'm not that kind of hunter. Uh, those are trophy hunters. I hunt out of necessity. And I kind of laughed when I saw this because I was like, dude, do you know how much it costs to like buy ammunition and camouflage or have a place to hunt and gas to get there, shooting blinds or deer stands or whatever, or however you're hunting now? Um, The cost of hunting is so high now. I just don't see where anybody's actually hunting out of necessity. Well, I would argue about the cost thing because you could buy you a box of Remington Corlocks and <laughs> while they are more expensive now, um, you got 20 rounds. I mean, that could easily be 20 deer. You could use your, you hunt on public land. You don't have to pay for a spot to hunt. Um, yeah. And things like that. Yeah. I mean, there, there are people who do hunt out of necessity. I'm not I mean, saying you can tur- turn on uh, Discovery Channel and go to some of those <laughs> Alaskan shows, and you can see people who legitimately hunt out of necessity. Uh, I haven't actually heard too much negative on trophy hunters, or maybe I'm just oblivious to people saying stuff. But I mean, I have the necessity. I think they're jealous hunters. <laughs> you think uh, trophy hunters are? No, I'm thinking the people that say they hunt out of necessity and they dog trophy hunters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, there's nothing wrong with people on trophy hunting taking trophy hunting. I disagree with how a lot of places do trophy hunting, but I also don't know a lot about it, you know, like some others do. So. Stop swinging, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, isn't that the same thing as with crossbows, though? We hate, we hate them. Point. We hate we hate crossbow people. Um, not not the people themselves. I hope they all very happy and live great lives. But we've talked about I, multiple times of the disdain of the crossbow. Um, well, I mean, isn't that essentially the same thing? What about high fence? I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. 
I mean, is have you ever like seen a deer killed and you're like, I know that deer was killed on a fence. Oh yeah. And then, and then yeah. you've just been like aggravated at it. No, that's what I was going to say. No, you I can't, you can't be that. <laughs> you can't, you can't have a, a private lease in the Mississippi Delta and be mad at somebody who's shooting a deer in a high fence. Yeah. No, it's about access. That's how big deer are killed. Yeah. But I mean, like, have you ever, okay, let's just put it this way. Say you kill a 140 inch deer on public land. Yeah. That's something to be incredibly proud of anywhere, yeah. in any state. I don't care where you're hunting. You kill 140 inch deer on public land. You've done something pretty special. And then you see somebody kill like 180 inch deer in a high fence. And you're like, oh, guy's not even a real hunter. That, you've never thought that? Well, I mean, if, I mean, yeah, certainly, but like I would say the same thing for somebody who has, you know, 5,000 acres in on the Mississippi River that is completely private and the deer are not pressured. They're used to human scent and side by sides and they're not killed or they're not being shot up all the time. I mean, I, that to me is the same exact thing, except they're not just, you do have to put in a little bit more effort. You might yeah. have to plant a food plot. You might have to drop a bag of corn in your feeder. But, I mean. Yeah, high, high fence. I mean, there's two reasons I don't do high fence. Number one, I don't think it's the type of hunting I want to do. And number two is I don't have nearly the amount of money to do high fence hunting. Right. Yeah. yeah that's that's one thing holding me back from it. But uh, I really don't have a problem with it. I, but if, if somebody shoots a 190-inch deer and it was high fence, I don't think it's nearly the bragging rights of, say, public land deer. Yeah, right. and and look, I'm not saying that you you you've got to hunt public land, or I don't. Even, we shouldn't even be having like this like debate about which one is more holy or not. I mean, it doesn't matter. Do whatever you want to do. Should should matter. But like, you're not. I, I'm sorry, but what's the guy who shoots a stupid G5 uh, dead meat? It's the most disgusting mechanical broadhead I've ever seen in my life. It's not practical whatsoever. He's he's got like a snort wheeze call. He's real um, flamboyant. Uh, bone it's collector like, guy. Bone collector guy. Waddell. Michael Waddell. Michael Waddell. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sure if people were naming, hey, who do you think the best deer hunters top five? Michael Waddell might be in there in somebody's top five. Yeah. He's not in mine. Right. I don't. I, you know what I mean? But like that also it doesn't matter. I, I I would love to go hunt with Michael Waddell. Mike. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Mike. Yeah, hook me up. Hey, you know. Hunter what's the name of that broadhead one more time? I'm gonna actually look that thing up. G five Deadbeat. All right. You're gonna be disgusted. It's the stupidest <laughs> broadhead I've ever seen in my life. The G five oh, is man. paying that man, so do what you gotta do. Well, Shout out to G five, I'll shoot him too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm since a sellout. You, since you, no, you're not. Since you just mentioned uh, like top five hunters, I'm curious to know who do you think is the greatest hunter Liv of all living? Nah, living now. Yeah, it's Johnny Eberhardt. It's not even close. This man has 50 Pope and Young bucks. All, What's his name? John Eberhardt. All yeah. have been taken in the state of 
well, the majority of them were taken in the state of Michigan on public land. Yeah, that's impressive. He is the greatest hunter, whitetail hunter of all time, in my opinion. He has books and videos, and he doesn't. He's a big scent. Per, like he's he's just the best in every facet of it. Yeah. Um. I mean, I just that's that's my whitetail hero because like, and again, not because he's doing it on. Not all the deer have come on public land, but he's never paid to hunt or paid for a piece of property. Never owned property. It's all been knock on door yeah. permission or public land. And I mean, he's got tons of videos that you can watch, and he he tells you how to do it, and then he looks at you at the camera and goes, "But you won't, you won't do it. I'm gonna tell you how, <laughs> but you're not you're not gonna do it. You're not gonna put the time in. You're not gonna you're not gonna get here an hour and a half before daylight. You're not gonna leave a half hour after dark." You're not going to make these all-day sits. You're not going to scout like I scout. You're not going to go where I go. His methodology or whatever, when he goes to a new property or a piece of public land, he says, okay, if I'm being hunted, where would I go? Where would I go where I'm not going to get killed? He's like, that's where I start looking for sign. And then he's like, too. yeah, then, he's, then he says, now if I want to kill you, where am I going to go? I'm going to hide in your bedroom. And he's like, and to do that, I'm going to have to be there all day. You know, I can't risk you coming home and spotting me. I'm going to have to be there all freaking day. So, like, yeah, he's the guy, in my I have, opinion. I have Does never he shoot that G5 dead meat. Who? John Eberhart? Yeah. Dude, John Eberhart shoots a bow like a 1971 Matthews, and he doesn't take anything but 12-yard shots. <laughs> okay, he's pulling like 41 pounds. <laughs> he does not shoot G5s. <laughs> I've never thought of something like that you just said that he talked, you know, that he talked about was the first thing I think of is when I'm scouting or going hunting is if I were being hunted, where would I go to, to keep from being killed? Yeah, and we'll get him on the show because he comes on podcasts and talks to people. And, oh, I'd love to have him on. Yeah, we'll get him on the show. I'm confident that that can happen. But uh, one of the things, too, that, that he talks about, he's like, uh, it's in a video in the Air of Michigan, which is a pressured state, the most pressured hunting state. And he's like, you don't have to do this in Kansas, in Iowa, in right. Illinois. He's like, but you're not going to see a mature buck walking through an open cut of timber or a timber with no understory in the daylight. He, he's like, he's going to move from his bedding area to security cover to the food source. He's like, yeah. they're just not going to move in the open in daylight hours unless the only chance that that happens is if he's with a hot doe. But he's like, again, like that's like throwing, that's like a needle in a haystack like trying to get that done and he's done it all with archer i mean that's just that's my that's my hero john i love i love him he's also me get him on the show we'll have to do that yeah um probably won't be able to get him on right now i'd probably have to be uh after after the season after season yeah because he's he's, because he's sleeping in an underground bunker in private uh, public pretty much somewhere in michigan yeah pretty much Matt, all right. Before we before we move on, who's the best deer hunter you know in Mississippi? Me, or either of you? 
Oh, are, are I, you I don't know if I ever. No, he was. He no. was saying it was himself. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I thought I was going to tell you. I've never really even pondered the question. I haven't I either. Andrew Hunter just kind of brought this up. I know, but now I'm intrigued by the question, and I want to start thinking about it and really start thinking of things I've read, people I've seen. But like right now, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I'm not, and I'm not just saying this because it's. Well, maybe I am. I don't know. Um. One of the best deer hunters that I've ever known in my life is Hunter's dad. And I think it was for the kind of the very reason that Hunter was just talking about a minute ago. Like he's never owned land to hunt or bought into, you know, real really bought into any property or anything like that. He just was really good at going in the woods and scouting and finding deer. Now he hasn't killed you know, just a bunch of giant bugs. I guess for this part of the state, he's killed some really nice bugs, but he's just always been able to put himself uh, in a position to kill deer. And I've always been impressed by that. Matt, Matt, you think on that for, for a minute and um, you can get back to us later on your answer. All right. Um, moving on. I, and I know I said, we, we touched on this last week. Um, there is a decline of hunting in America. Uh, I, I ran some numbers off last week. Uh, I think it's like in 1960, 7.7% of the United States population was, you know, they bought hunting licenses. They were hunting. In 2020, that number dropped to like 4.6% of the United States population. Um, Mississippi was like the 17th state overall at 9.1% of our citizens here in Mississippi are hunters. Hunter and I kind of talked about it last week with Neil. Why is that happening? Why is hunt the interest in hunting in America declining? Well, you think it's decline in interest or do you think it's access maybe a little bit? Well, that was one of the things I thought about. And I've been thinking about it for a whole, well, I've been thinking about it for like two weeks now. I think we have fewer people now that will let you hunt on their private land than used to. Like, you know how you like you could knock on the door and be like, hey, I'm a deer hunter. Can I yeah. hunt your property? I think there are fewer people that do that now than there used to be. Mm -hmm. um, and public land hunting especially in a state like Mississippi, like you can't go to DeSoto National Forest on Saturday and feel real comfortable during rifle season deer hunting. Um, it scares the crap out of me thinking about hunting in DeSoto National Forest, with, you know, during rifle season. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm petrified of it. There's just, there's too many non-safe people um, you got to wear orange, man. I don't think it matters. Yeah, if I've got orange on, I usually feel fairly safe. <sighs> yeah, but I, I, I just, take my I take mine off when I'm in the tree. Oh yeah, I pay way too much money for that sick of not. Hell <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Does sick could not make an orange vest? 
Oh, no, they wouldn't I, belittle I themselves that much. I guarantee you they make something with orange in it. No, they do. They make, like, jackets and stuff with orange. How many of yeah. you guys have ever bought the orange vest at the gas station right by the land you hunt because you forgot it? It's like seven ninety nine. Literally every time I go to Panther Swamp, I'm <laughs> there in go. a mad dash to find an orange vest somewhere. <laughs> hilarious. I, I haven't had to do that for a long time because I keep one in my pack now. I keep it in my pack even during archery season. In case of, if I'm killing, if I kill a deer or something, I walk out with it. I've probably owned 55 orange vests in my life. Absolutely. And but, I do not, I, I, I don't wear one when I hunt private. I know you're probably supposed to. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You were supposed to yeah, wear one. Yeah. I do not wear one at all when I hunt private. Um, I wear mine going in and out because I just don't, I don't want one of the neighbors to shoot me or something, you know? Um, I, I take it. it I take it off when I get in the stand. I don't wear it going out though at dark. Because you got a light. Yep. If but sometimes I walk light, out without someone... a light. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, then you better have it on. Which I guess, if you get shot walking out, you know, if you're walking out of the woods without a light after dark, your orange vest is probably not going to help you much anyway. But back to the decline in hunting. Right. Uh, the. I mean, some things I think could probably be part of it, but I don't know. Is you know, there's millions of acres of land that is landlocked or gridlocked by private land and i want to say it's kind of like the upper midwest or maybe it's more yes. in the western yeah side I know what you're talking about. there was a big thing about that about uh, corner, cross, corner, corner corner crossing, crossing. there was yeah. a big yeah. case about it yeah. yeah so i mean that's just a couple states that's not every state but i think it's uh something well as a private landowner i'm guilty of even though I own a small amount, is the privatization of hunting. I mean, people found that they could buy up land and kind of, you know, just have a lot of it to themselves. Yeah. Do you think that, uh, I know we mentioned this earlier on the show, the cost of hunting is a deterrent for some people as well? See, I'm just not, I'm just not, uh, well, you're not just, going to. You you wear sick uh, sick gear. No, 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 that's only not. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like I'm just not buying the cost of hunting being something that, like, would be a not the cost of hunting itself. Inflation maybe, but like, like like milk being more expensive. Maybe I don't know, but like I just you can go buy real tree at Walmart. You can hunt in a flannel. So everybody's got a gun. You know, you don't have to. You don't have I to think, have stick yeah. or shoot the best bow in the world. What yeah. it could be is there's a number of people that if they say, if I'm going to hunt, I want to hunt like they see on TV. Right. And they don't even think about the public st- side of it, you know, and they just, oh, that's too much money. I'm not going to spend that much. So do you, think, te- do you think television could be uh, leading to the downfall of hunting? Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, but also, because an unrealistic side, idea about I- it. I would like to see, to see statistics in the South, and I would like to see these same statistics in the Midwest and the North. As far as hunters per state? Well, as far as the decline of hunters per region, because think about that too, is like, like it's, it's just different. Like we have a lot of public land, and there's a lot of public land everywhere, but like, we we have a lot of public land and deer is our only like that's that's it you know that's what mostly people are going to go do they're going to there's a few squirrel hunters a lot of duck hunters and deer hunters it's your most popular game 
Yeah, so it's the most popular game. I would just, I'm just wondering if, if it has, if it's different in different regions. Well, I can tell you, uh, just looking at the list, that Washington would have some of the highest decline. Probably, hmm. I, I don't know what the numbers used to be in Washington. I can tell you what they are now. Uh, only two point three percent of Washington citizens are hunters. Yeah, let's take a look at Washington State's politics too. Right. When um, we're I mean they've concerned. got some stiff some stiff regulations up there for hunters for sure. And Oregon's, and Oregon's kind of the same way. Now Oregon does have uh more hunters. Uh seven point eight percent of the population in Oregon are uh, yeah. are hunters. And those are both incredible states, especially like especially Oregon, because you can shoot blacktail and they've got freaking rainforest elk coming, which is super cool. Yeah. I, and you know, one of the one of the things that was kind of shocking to me was the the outdoor resources and different varieties of wild game to the wild game species to hunt in the state of California. Uh, um, California's incredible. Yeah, it's excellent. It's actually the Pacific Flyway is one of the best water some of the best waterfowl hunting take it in the world take a stab at how many people you think the percentage of hunters are in california oh i'd say uh, less than one yeah no I, really is 0.7 yeah i mean you're talking about california rhode island new jersey uh massachusetts florida uh, you know, Connecticut, you know hawaii are all under one percent you know what the common denominator in all of this is the stiffest hunting regulations in the U.S. are in all those states, and also I don't know what you're hunting in Hawaii, except like goats and the one island that has access deer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's just fewer opportunities in Hawaii. Yeah, throw probably. Hawaii out and then take the rest of them, and those are these absolute stiffest regulations. I mean, yeah. you've watched that show, those freaking narcs running around on Northwoods Law. Hate yeah. that show. So tell me, <laughs> tell me, what do you think the the uh, state with the highest percentage is? I think Decline? it's Pennsylvania. Oh no, no not percentage highest. of hunters. Yes, highest uh, Michigan. I would guess Michigan. Kentu- I would guess Kentucky or Pennsylvania. I'm going Michigan, uh, South Dakota. Oh, okay. Well, that's just because there's 400 people there. <laughs> there's 20, 24 point, yeah, 24.2 percent of residents of South Dakota are hunters. The second state's Wyoming, 23.4. Montana's up there, too. Montana's 20.8. Those are the only three states that are above 20%. And then, Matt, you mentioned uh, Kentucky. Is that what you said? Or Missouri? Um, I said Kentucky and Pennsylvania. Kentucky's on down the list. Um, Let's see. Pennsylvania was... I got it right here. Hang on. Pennsylvania seven point four. Yeah, they're and like can, that's as good as can, us. Isn't it? And, no, we were nine point one. Okay. Uh, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, are right there together. Pennsylvania seven point four. Kentucky seven point two. Um, I thought Missouri would have been a little higher on the list than it is. Um, and, and oh, you mentioned Michigan. Michigan is six point four now. By the way. Where's it show me? Here it is. 7.7. So Missouri, Pennsylvania, and Kentucky are all right there together. And they're below Oregon. Well, it's kind of shocking. I think Missouri draws a lot of out of state. Oh, yes. You know, and Kentucky does as well. 
That's where you go if you're in Mississippi and want to hunt public land. And you know, it used to be it used to be Illinois for for forever. Um, and then, like now, I mean, all of my friends that go out of state now to hunt, you know, public, especially public land hunters, go to Missouri. Yeah, um, yes, yeah, I talk about restrictive policies and stuff. If you, I've been to Illinois and hunted. Yes, and it's outrageously expensive. I don't want to go back because I want to say the license for you, like it's, you have to have like a license and a possession permit or something. And yeah. I mean, it's like six hundred dollars a hunter. Well, the thing about Illinois as well, if I'm not mistaken, is I need to Google this to make sure. But their their gun laws are so strict. Um, ben Tharp, who we had one of the first ever episodes that we ever did this show, Ben was on the show. Um, Ben went hunting in Illinois one time. He was bow hunting, public land. And when he got out to his truck after his hunt, there was a game warden there, and the game warden was, you know, checking him and stuff. And he checked his truck, and Ben had a pistol in his center console. And this guy was, like, ready to take him to jail for having a pistol in his truck. So, wow. As an out-of-state person with a gun in Illinois, I don't, you know, it's crazy the gun laws they have. And speaking of Illinois, uh, you know, Neil was talking about last week uh, how, like, deer season up there when they have their shotgun season, it's like a holiday for that week. Mm-hmm. Like, schools will let out. Uh, Eric Evers, our pitching coach at William Carey, grew up in southern Illinois, and he said, like, you didn't have school when it was shotgun season. And he grew up in a small southern, you know, southern Illinois town, uh, Steelville, Illinois. And uh, so you would think, like, the state of Illinois is, like, deer hunting crazy. Only 2.3% of residents in Illinois are hunters. Cities skew that. Uh, yeah, Chicago. Yeah. You got Chicago. You got Springfield. But, I mean, guys, I just, I just looked it up. Uh, archery deer permit and license for a non-resident in Illinois is $487.11. That's for a non-resident? That's for a non-resident, yeah. Okay. All right. Now, this kind of feeds back into what we're talking about, the decline of hunting and the cost of it. Now, that's a non-resident fee. Do you think some of these states have just astronomically high fees for residents as well that is also possibly a deterrent to hunt? No, I don't. I mean, well, maybe they do, but not in my experience. I think Mississippi under bright has, has theirs a little too cheap. They should probably be raising more money with theirs. But well, we have, opinion. I think, you know what? I think the first episode you ever did with us, Matt, when you mm-hmm. and Dane came on the show, that's what we talked about, about the cost to hunt. In, in our state and the surrounding states, it was all pretty pretty close. Uh, Tennessee was higher, but I didn't think that we were charging our non-residents enough money to hunt in Mississippi. I know it's cheaper in Illinois for sure. Cheaper in Illinois to hunt than it is in Mississippi. No, our non-resident licenses are cheaper than those of Illinois. Oh, it's far cheaper. It's it's way cheaper. Yeah. So. Um, another thing that, that I kind of question as far as the decline of hunting is, well, it's a couple of things. The availability of food now versus what it was in 1960, it's so easy now to go get a quick meal. I think Americans are fixated on fast food. Um, I mean, Matt, for goodness sakes, you own fast food restaurant, basically. Um, That's true. I think that we eat far more unhealthy meals now than people probably did in 1960 because it's so easy to just go down the road and grab something. 
There's no cleanup. You didn't have to cook. I think that potentially leads to the decline of hunting. And another thing I, that I thought of, and I may be way off with this, was uh, the perception in the media of hunters and guns and how, I mean, every time you turn on TV, is something about guns and how they're bad and this, this and that. And I think that spilled over into this new generation, this younger generation, that they just don't partake in anything that involves weaponry. Yeah, I was going to say, I agree with you on the gun thing, but I don't agree with hunters. I, I haven't seen anything really with the media being negative to hunting. I haven't. Not hunting per se, but it's just the weapons. Yeah, you know, weapons if they're sure. If, if they're sure. all the time talking about guns being bad, and this generation buys that nonsense, because let's be honest, guns are not bad. People are bad. Yeah, um, I, I have an opinion that a lot of people probably don't want to hear. Or it's, I could be wrong, but I would guess it's a lack of fathers and homes, too. 100%. That was my next thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's... I. I don't know the statistics. I could be wrong, but I feel like there's more fatherless homes than there was maybe before. Absolutely. That's 100%. That's, that's 100% accurate. And that's going to affect uh, an outdoor sport like hunting, which is, you know, dominated by the, the our gender. I'm not saying we dominate like what we kill. Women hunters kill much bigger deer than me all the time. No, but no. I mean. But, I mean, it is absolutely a male-dominated sport. You know, I mean, it's a, you know, that's not, I don't think you're saying anything off base there. Um, but it's not, to me, what you were saying about fatherless homes, that was kind of my next thing. It was a parenting thing or, or a daddy thing. Not only do we have more fatherless homes, but we have more households now, even that when they do have a father, that the fathers don't do those outdoor things with their kids. I almost equated hunting to travel ball the way we do it now. Like, cause now, you know, when we were all growing up playing baseball or whatever, who taught you how to play catch? You're, you're, probably your dad. Right. You know, you, you threw the ball in the air, you learn how to throw with your dad. You learn how to hit with your dad. Well, now daddies, especially people that have a little bit of money, and I'm not saying they have to have a lot of money to do this, but, now the hot thing is and i can't tell you how many times i've been asked this question in the last 10 years do you know anybody that could do lessons for little johnny yeah his dad you know now we pay people 60 dollars an hour to sit on a bucket and tell us to keep our head down you know what i'm saying i think parents well, I can't say I can't speak for everybody. I know this. My dad, when I was born, my dad didn't know jack squat about baseball. But when I got old enough to where I showed an interest in playing baseball, my dad didn't run down the road and go, "Hey, Ben likes baseball. Who can teach him?" My dad went to a store and bought a book and read the book cover to cover three or four times and taught himself what he needed to know to teach me how to play ball. And I think as parents now, we don't put that kind of time and effort into our kids as where, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, we did. Just you to kind of get convicted about that. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that was, you know, 
you were aggressive with it. Well, I mean, I just I, I see it so much with baseball, and I kind of feel like you know baseball and, and the outdoors can kind of run hand in hand with things. Um, I equate a lot of things that I do in life. I, I compare it to baseball, and then I compare it to hunting, and you know, it's kind of the same. Um, but I'm telling you, man. I don't know how many times I'm telling you in the last 10 years, so many people ask about lessons and my lessons. Like who's the best person in Hattiesburg to teach little Johnny how to pitch. And I'm blown away by the money that these people will spend to go do that. I mean, and they think that they have to do that for their kid to be successful. Look, my dad could smoke a cigarette in one hand and hit fungo with the other hand. And I made it through high school baseball and went to college and played ball. So if he can do it, anybody else can do it. And I think it's the same thing with the outdoors. I just think that we opt out or we don't do it. There's my soapbox for the day. Right. Well, anyways, if uh, y'all don't want to hunt no more, that's just more for me. So <laughs> whatever. That's a fair viewpoint too. You know, that's another thing that I've heard said. Um, you know, there's a decline in hunting, but then you've got the, uh, the social media hunters that, you know, people, obviously, I mean, we have a social media page that we post stuff on and, and the way we hunt is not the way everybody else can go hunt. Um, but I've heard it said that People are scared that the the perception of what goes on on social media will draw more people into the hunting community and it will overcrowd the woods. And it's not a realistic, you know, I mean, think about it. What you see on social media is not real for the most part. So I don't know. People are thinking social media may grow hunting, but it hasn't happened yet. Well, any thoughts? Anyways. <laughs> no, it's just, I mean, what's going to happen is, is where I'm, I'm going to be the strongest, healthiest person left on the planet because I just eat deer meat and, and <laughs> eggs and I'm going to rule the world. You did, you did, uh, cook that liver a couple of weeks ago on video. Yeah, it wasn't was great. Yeah, and you're, uh, oh, you're, oh, I'm glad I just, my boy, that. dude, man. You're, I just, I totally had no idea that he was on steroids. What do you do? Matt, so Matt, did you see where the liver king was like? Oh, oh yeah. Like yeah, but who didn't know he was wasn't on steroids? Everybody knew he was on steroids. But here's the problem, and I had a conversation. But he, wait, about, wait, 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 wait. But he claimed that he was not the whole time. Correct. That was Correct. the problem. I mean, if he just came out and like, yeah, I'm steroids. How do you think you look like this? Yeah, look at me. I'm on steroids. But like uh also, yeah, I, you can equate uh, steroids. It's, it's the same thing as uh, it's the same thing as uh, high fence hunting, in my opinion. Um, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. just I'm just kidding, people. Chill out. Um, <laughs> the thing that sucks about Liver King is, and yeah, it's it's not science at all that eating bull testicles enhances your te that's not how it works eating liver doesn't make your liver you know it's not you don't have more lung capacity because you ate a deer lung that's stupid um but 
the stuff that he did preach, like getting out in the sun, being with your family, doing things in nature, eating a healthy diet, eating whole foods, having a primarily meat-based diet, like all those things are super positive and he had a big impact and a big following, okay? Yeah. Yeah, it's gimmicky. Yeah, he's silly. Yeah, he's honestly not really primally functional because he can't pick his hands up over his head. Um, <laughs> but all of those things are good things that people should do. You know what right. I mean? He's like exercise, you know, obviously. What you're saying so, is that he wasn't 100% full of crap. No, everything except like the just egregiousness, like or lack of lack of like actual science and he just spattered all stuff. All the other stuff was true. And I agree with, but now he's the dude who got exposed for doing $12,000 worth of wind straw a month. (laughs) And I'm like, just, just lead with it from the beginning. Like I take anabolic steroids because I want to look like this, but here are these nine ancestral tenets that you should follow to have a better life. But if he'd have came out right out of the gate and said that he took anabolic steroids, Nobody would have listened to anything. He would have killed his witness completely. Nobody else would have listened to anything else that he had to say. Maybe so. Um, but all you have to do is go to the gym for six months, and you will understand that you are going to need to take some steroids to pull that off. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, there's like a, there's that one 15-year-old out of f- 5 million who's like, Six four two twenty five at the age of fifteen. That's just the one guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You know, you're not doing that. Everybody. I mean, and and what what blows my mind and now now you've got me going is uh, these just random dudes who were thirty, maybe they're recently divorced. I don't know. Who were on all kind of gear at the local Crunch Fitness? <laughs> like, look, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Oh, um, I, I, you know what? We could do an entire episode on steroids because, you know, being a baseball guy, obviously, like steroids are, have been a big part of the game, especially through the yeah. Baseball is way better with steroids. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. I'm not even going to deny it. Baseball <laughs> okay. was so much more fun during the steroid era. Um, but like. I don't know. I don't, I don't. I can't go there tonight. I have to. We'd be here all night if I did that. So, but yeah, I'm not going there. We'll do. I'll save it for another. I'll save it. For but another yeah, episode. yeah. Liver King, who's a friend of the show, because um, I sent him a picture of some deer liver, and uh, I'm not going to say on air what he said back to that, but it was funny. He is a um, fan of the show. He's a fan of the show. Um, he doesn't know who we are, and it was probably a social media person responding to us, anyways. But. He did respond to our message. We appreciate everything that, and we stand by you, Brian Johnson. <laughs> I didn't even know it was his real name. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, I know that because he said that he ate Brian Johnson and became the Liver King. So we stand with you, Brian, in these times of hardship. You didn't mean to lie about taking twelve thousand dollars worth of steroids. <laughs> that was an accident. So. Well, before we ask, go, what's the life okay. expectancy after taking twelve thousand dollars of the steroids in one month? Oh, well, I mean, he's I probably know. got he's probably got 
well, he probably doesn't have liver damage because he's probably injecting it. But I mean, heart damage body, probably. Bodybuilders don't do great at the later years, and they're all like shriveled up, old, nasty looking men. Yeah, it's it takes a major toll on your body for sure. Yeah, like your kidneys and stuff suffer. Yeah, yeah your, your, your your heart's gonna suffer, and your brain's gonna suffer. Um, well, um, but it just if you're promoting an ancestral diet and being a primal person, isn't your ancestral diet and primal way of life supposed to make you a optimal ancestral primal person? Why are you taking Anavar <laughs> Winstraw? <laughs> that was made in a lab in Mexico. <laughs> right. You came to your house in a pair of fake Nikes. Shoebox. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we won't get into how we know all that. He got yeah. me with the pair of fake Nikes. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go, speaking of social media and numbers, um, and this will be the last thing we talk about. Um, do want to thank everybody that listens. I got an email today, kind of a year-end report. And our podcast was in the top 15% of uh, shows on Spotify globally that have been shared in the last year. So thank you guys for listening. Um, hopefully we keep churning out good content. And I think one of the goals from our show that may be different than a lot of other hunting shows that – that we want good, wholesome content that, hey, when you get in the car with your kid, you don't feel the need to have to change the station. Sometimes. Um, yeah. Unless, I mean, as long as we're not talking about Ole Miss baseball with Hunter, the show is clean. Um, well, if they wouldn't get swept by the University of Alabama, then the shows would all be clean. <laughs> <laughs> but that is our that's been our goal the whole time to put out good good wholesome content that anybody in the family can listen to and uh we're very grateful for those of you that that have listened and shared it and uh kind of been a part of this journey and we hope to keep keep bringing more so you guys got anything else tonight i do not think that'll do it all right well until next time uh make sure you check us out on social media uh oh I can't I can't go away without mentioning this. Uh hats. Hats are for sale. Uh the new hats came out. They're on the website. Uh, you can go to pinstripestocamo.com. They're there. Um, you know, we're trying to buy a helicopter, we're trying to buy um some new equipment and pay for some really cool hunting trips to have more content. So go buy a hat. Yeah, and look, we're not gonna lie to you, none of this money's gonna be donated to the children's hospital. We're going to spend it all on hunting stuff. So. <laughs> For now, if we ever get to making, you know, a lot of money, we'll. we'll yeah, if we make, if we we'll make fifteen make million dollars, we'll give hundred k to make a wish foundation. <laughs> all right. If our well, government wouldn't tax us, we'd give it all to them. But you know, <laughs> that'll be the next episode. Taxes, <laughs> taxation, and theft. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll. Uh, Thanks again for listening, and we'll tune in with you guys next time. While you're scrolling through social media, go check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, visit our website, pinstripes2camo.com, to read weekly blogs and purchase Pinstripes to Camo merchandise.